beau, la France. Oui, monsieur. Hello, everyone. I'm Jose Arroyo. I'm Richard Lane. And we're thinking aloud about film. And today we're thinking about a 1966 Usman Sandin film called Black Girl, which has a, a, an interesting and slightly different title in French, La Noire De, which really means the black girl or black woman from or belonging to. The title alone in French raises a whole series of connotations that is also partly uh, what the film is about. Uh, so Richard, do you want to tell us what the film is, what it's about, you know, what kind of drew us to it? Yeah, sure. So this is the, I think this is the second film by Usman Senben we've, we've talked about. So we talked about Mandarbi last year, which was his, his second feature. This is his first feature. And it's one of only two African films on the latest Sight and Sound BFI 100 greatest films list, which was one impetus for watching it. It's also it's very interesting to watch because it's to compare it with the other films we've looked at recently that cover the experience of, of um, emigration from Africa to largely to France. So this is a, another film dealing with someone who emigrates to France, hopefully for a better life. This, I th think, is the first one we've watched that deals with the experience of a woman in that situation. Mm. I think all the others have been men. Yes. Um, so right. that, that's, that's an interesting comparison. It's quite a short film. It's about only about an hour long. The plot essentially is, and it, it's revealed in a non-linear way. So you, you start off by seeing this, this really quite glamorous young black woman arriving in France, and she's met by a white guy who takes her to the flat she's going to be living in and she's she's greeted in this flat but you you eventually you realize actually she's there as a as a domestic servant and you then realize that that was not her expectation that her expectation was she was going to be working as a as a nanny but she finds herself just cooking and cleaning and just becomes increasingly alienated increasingly angry the white couple see nothing wrong with what they're doing they they're quite surprised that she's reacting in the way she reacts and the the situation develops to actually to quite a shocking climax. I enjoyed seeing it very much. Its value is clear uh, to me, uh, not the least uh, as a document of the car in the 60s. I understood its uh, arguments about neocolonialism. I think, uh, um, you know, they were also quite clear and quite interestingly visualized to me. The film didn't convey to me the sense... Of, so when I think of, you know, what drives her to suicide, mm. yeah, which is really kind of what the film tells us, and it's trying to make these, pa these parallels with, you know, a colonial kind of subject or a post-colonial subject. And maybe it's 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 my own kind of background at play you know um but this experience of being a nanny or a domestic servant is an archetypal experience for women large sectors of the female population uh throughout the 19 uh, the, the the 20th century my own mom was a nanny 
you know, and a domestic servant, and she's someone who went from a little village to work in Madrid. That sense of just, um, you know, what drive, I mean, I, I know it's difficult, uh, and a lot of women were all equally disappointed or cheated or, but, you know, what, what drives her to suicide? I, I wasn't quite clear. I mean, were you? I mean, what's interesting is she's not um, at any. Well, the, there, there's a fight at the end between her and the white and, and, and the white woman, but she's not up until that point. You know, she's not being physically mistreated. She's being paid, or although I think she hasn't actually received the money, but she's going to be paid. But I think it's it's essentially it's the it's the isolation. You know, she's she's had this expectation that she's going to go to France and she's going to be able to travel and she's going to see France and she's going to have this certain lifestyle. And instead she finds herself essentially isolated in this apartment. You know, she can't really go anywhere. She goes out to get, get the food, but she can't travel anywhere. She can't get home. Um, she sees no other people other than this couple and their friends. So, so I think it's that, it's that isolation. And I, and I, so I guess what the, you know, to, to me, I found that interesting because it was sort of essentially saying they're not, you know, this is not slavery. This is not, it's not modern slavery. I, I, I wouldn't describe it as that situation. Um, but she's, she is in a bad situation. There's nothing she can do other than be in that situation and be the cleaner. But it's also the, ex the difference in expectation and lack of communication between the relationship she was expecting to have with this couple. I mean, because when you see them in Dakar, it's almost a friendly relationship. You know, there is she. The, the the white woman is giving um, her discarded clothes to the to the black girl. Um, the, the 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 black girl gives the, the the gift of the of the mask, this sort of African mask, which becomes a real powerful symbol. Where she gives that as a gift to the woman, the the couple then display that as a kind of like fetishized object of art on the on on their wall, and then it's kind of taken back at the end. So I think it's it's that's the problem from her point of view and you, you you're right it doesn't really communicate you a, a lot of it is done in voiceover you know, it's the the voiceover of the of the the woman talking about her isolation and how angry she is and you get i guess you get things like you know because she can't write or read or write as we saw later in mandabi um so her mother sends a letter which has been presumably written by the local letter Scribe. writer and yeah. Uh, yeah and the girl can't read, so the letter, which is kind of criticising the girl for not sending mother to the money to the mother, the husband reads that out to her, and then says, "Right, well, we're going to we're now now we're going to reply." And he basically starts writing the letter with no input from her. That's supposed to be a letter from her to her mother. So, so essentially, it's without there being any violence. It's just this control over, or she's seeing this control over all these aspects of her life. I know, but. I think maybe what isn't clear to me is the cultural difference. Okay, she expected to be a nanny, and then she ends up being a maid as well as a, a nanny, right? So, you know, to me, the logical thing is you readjust your expectations, uh, you negotiate, yeah? You, you say, this is not what I expected, right? Uh, either you continue or you ask to go home, then if you know they don't let you go home, that's a different drama. I mean, the film has its own logic, 
right? But it didn't kind of coincide with mine, you know. And actually, I, I think the film is a little bit poor for it because, you know, the, uh, the metaphors of colonialism, <clears throat> I think, are very well uh, evoked, yeah? You know, so that, that moment when she arrives out of the boat and she's the only black person and kind of you get a sense that everyone is looking at her and, you know, will there be someone to greet me in this foreign land? That's well evoked. You know, the sense of the loss of culture and so on, that's, to me, kind of really vividly evoked. How her own situation is also uh, a metaphor for that of the country. You, you get freedom and then you expect to be like, like France instead of still subservient to France. Um, all of that is kind of vividly evoked. I do think the film misses an opportunity also to do that and then connect it, you know, to an equally wide experience of gendered work, yeah, mm. rather mm. than yeah, post-colonial experience, yeah. It's a post-colonial experience, of course, but it's also a gendered one, and each are shared by, you know, many different groups of people, and they intersect at a particular point, right? Uh, and so I think, I mean, to me, that's a niggle of dissatisfaction uh, with the film. You still see reports of people in this situation, in, 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 in a situation where they're, they're brought to, for instance, to the UK or, or wherever, um, with an expectation of a certain type of work, and they're essentially kept in servitude. And, um, but those cases, it feels to me that the, the situation of the people involved is far worse than the situation of the, of the woman in this film. Well, you know, they, are, they are effectively kept prisoner, which this woman isn't. Exactly. And she isn't physically mistreated. I, I suppose that's also what informs my reading of the film. You know, mm. we hear, I live in Birmingham, and we hear so many stories here of, you know, these women who were brought from their villages in India, you know, expecting, like, a job, and basically, you know, they end up just being slaves, you know, to a family, you know, and prevented from leaving their rooms and being abused and, you know, not being allowed to leave the house and so on, you know. And on the other hand, we also hear so many other stories, uh, you know, about women who come to Britain expecting to be nannies, and basically then they're, like, really made, yeah, they're trafficked into sexual slavery, really. Uh, so, you know, kind of the horror stories that are in the newspapers, like, well, not every day, very recurrently, you know, are so much more extreme than what the film shows us. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, which I, I don't know. In a, in a way, that, that's one of the things that's interesting because from the, because you know, from the couple, the white couple's point of view, it's like, well, what did we do wrong? And we're almost questioning that because they, they, you know, the husband gives the girl all the money she's owed at the end of the film, and she refuses to take it. Yeah. He then, and she could have used that money to go home, presumably. Yeah. He then travels to Dakar with her belongings and with the money. And again, the, the, the mother refuses to take the money from him. Mm. And that wasn't clear to me why the mother refused to take no. that. But, I mean, but again, it's like they're trying, but, but they, they clearly haven't done the right thing, but they don't see what it is that's problematic. Yeah. I mean, I think that they don't see it as part of the point that the film is trying to make. I think that they don't accept the money is clearly, I am not a thing, I will not be bought, you know, uh, as something to be exchanged. Um, 
So from a metaphoric level, it makes sense, or from a symbolic level, it makes sense. From a human perspective, it doesn't make sense. I mean, here's a poor girl in a foreign land with no money. Why doesn't she accept it? You know, even if she is thinking of committing suicide, you know, doesn't she think her family could use that money? The mother is saying, I don't have a cent. Yeah, I don't have a cent to pay for water, right? So to me, it just, it, yeah, like, it doesn't make on a human level, on maybe the very limited perspective that I have of human behavior, I can't imagine people in dire need not taking that money. I mean, because you don't have to accept the terms on which the money is given. So if you think if you think that by giving me this money, you are reducing me to a thing, you know, you are sorely mistaken. Thank you for the money and fuck you. Right, like, yeah, the kind of, you know, you don't have to accept, yeah, that kind of symbolic exchange you can you know accept the money and kind of refuse the, the but it, but it's interesting symbolism. that his next film but you know his next film mandabi the entire plot of mandabi is that a man's life is destroyed because someone tries to send him some money from france yes <laughs> so that it's 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 interesting that theme is there about, yes. about money and yes I, I, i've forgotten about that is really interesting yeah. you know what is great about the film is that you see images that you rarely see in cinema, right? Kind of, you know, these are images of poor people living in the outskirts of uh, uh, the car, of the city. They're clearly all desperate for a job and for money. Um, the scene where the women gather in a square to get work, I found so moving because, you know, that was the archetypal way of which landless people kind of try w attempted to find work across Europe. And again, you know, in my own village until the 50s, you'd have all the men go into the central square of the village and see if someone would call them if they needed, you know, someone to work for the day. And if they didn't, everyone would go home, right, and do their own little bits of farming or whatever, or animals or whatever they had, right? But of course, it's a really brutal system right, where you don't know if you're going to get work, if there's a desperation for get work, there's always too many people for the work involved, and yeah, kind of, you see that, kind of, you know, in the film, very interestingly, with women, whereas, yeah, you know, yeah. what you normally see is with men. And, and of course, what happens is the, because these women are clamoring for work, and they're all kind of shouting at the white woman in order to be employed, and the one she selects, is our, our central character who just sits there quietly and doesn't say anything, which and, and it's, it's so, which essentially is is then, I guess the root cause of the problem is that she sits quietly and doesn't say anything and doesn't explain. Mm. Um, so so, um, and maybe the film is commenting on the delusions of colonialism or post-colonialism of our post-colonial subject because, you know, she goes to France expecting to see, you know, the Côte d'Azur and you know, uh, uh, Jean Le Pen and, you know, all these kind of Nice, yeah, all these kind of iconic, super expensive kind of, you know, resort towns in the south of France. But I, but I suppose if she's expecting to be the nanny, then she would be taking the kids out places. So I think that that's the that's the difference. I suppose. Um, but, but yeah, I think, but th yeah, the thing is clearly she has these aspirations and these expectations. She's not at any point as far as you 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 become aware she's not ever at any point had a conversation with the 
white couple or the white woman about what her you know what her role actually is you know she arrives at the flat and the children aren't there she doesn't ask why the children aren't there she just th the voiceover is asking that but she doesn't seem to ask that question i mean in a way it's kind of the whole thing is about a lack of communication you know an, ab an absence of communication between these people so I suppose another niggle that I have <laughs> is she's offended that she's asked to do housework. Yeah, that, you know, because the children aren't there, that she's asked to cook and clean. Yeah, yeah. And you think, well, what's wrong with cooking and cleaning? Like, you know, so I suppose what's wrong is that she didn't expect that. And again, that would lead to a conversation. It's clearly, you know, um, I mean, from the from the white people's perspective, they don't see what her problem is. From her perspective, you know, it's like they want me to be a maid, and yeah, and there are all these things about she's wearing high heels doing the housework, and you know, the woman asks them to take off, them off, and you know, before the the white uh, boss, the madame, asked her to take her shoes off. I had looked at it and I thought, who cleans the house with high heels, right? Yeah. So, you know, there is this thing of she wants like nice clothes and she wants to go out and, you know, mm -hmm. and she, yeah, she likes her high heels. Is the film commenting on these aspirations? I mean, I'd be curious as to, you know, how a black African audience read it because, you know, from my perspective, you know, as the son of a nanny and a maid, I think anyone who, you know, gets a job to be a nanny or a maid and expects to do it in beautiful clothes and in high heels and gets offended if you're asked to clean something, like, you have a complete misunderstanding of the job, right? Like, mm, mm. <laughs> but, but, but then, she, you know, she, she does, because she doesn't know that's, a, that's what the job is. But, but yeah, why does she not, yeah, why, why, is, why has that conversation not happened? Do the white couple just think oh, it doesn't matter, she just do what she's told? I like you, I liked it very much. And I think that process of unconscious dehumanization, yeah, uh, on the part of the white family is kind of richly evoked, right? Yeah. This thing yeah. Of, you know, make us an African dinner, you know, uh, bring us the rice. And, you know, from her perspective, is I don't even know how to cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you asking me to do? Right. And then they show off the meal, yeah, to, um, to their friends, and it's clear that the white family is trying to pretend that they're more than they really are. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they're showing her off to their friends, and, you know, their friends are treating her like a thing, the, the white man going to kiss her when, you know, she hasn't kind of consented. Um, you know, I've never been with a black woman, he said. It's very offensive, and it's very offensive in this kind of, I suppose like the rest of the film, in these low-grade ways, that in themselves are not the end of the world, but that cumulatively. Well, it's all the, it's the microaggression thing, isn't it? It's yeah. it's, it's that you know that, and that that essentially is what I guess is going on here, is you know it's a series of microaggressions that are that have a cumulative effect on her state of mind, um, and so it's you know because the, the the point where the the white the older white guy kisses the. The, the the woman against her without her consent i mean that that's the one point where the white the the the, the white wife actually apologizes for that that's the one thing she apologizes for yeah, yeah. rightly so
because um, she clearly realizes that's crossed a crossed a line. That's crossed a line, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there were other interesting kind of images: the struggle over the mask. Right. I thought the mask was great because because the, the the mask starts off being worn by this small child in in Dakar, and the the girl then gives it to the wife, and the, you then well you you don't see this this isn't in linear order, so you first see it on the wall in the in the apartment in France, and then later you see it being worn by the small boy in the flashback, and she buys it and gives it as a gift to the wife, but then they the husband takes it back at the end, and the, the same boy I think takes the mask back. But then the boy, the end of the film is the boy following the white guy through this poor area of the car wearing the mask. And, and it's just a, the, the, the image is just a very, very striking one. I think. I'd be curious to know what the mask meant, because, I mean, what the film is telling you is that, you know, in Senegal, the mask means one thing, you know, uh, and in, in France, it's just like a, a fetish object of, you know, Africa, in quotation yeah, marks, yeah. that you hang up on the wall as a cultural artifact, right, without being kind of conscious of what actually it might mean. So I think the boy wearing the mask at the beginning and then trailing after the man, the white man at the end, it's obviously significant. Yeah, the mask is being put to a different use. I think there's also all that imagery about um, the government, right, and politicians yeah, in Senegal and the monument to freedom, yeah, that she walks over, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that is also kind of significant in some way. So obviously, you know, independence does not mean real independence or equality. Uh, you know, her walking over the monument, which upsets her boyfriend, yeah, is also communicating something. Uh, 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 about the differences, really, uh, and then maybe about her her blindness to the situation. A lot of it is told in voiceover from her point of view. Yeah, um, and maybe I think what's also significant is that her her feelings are clear. Yeah, the way that she sees things is clear, but you also get a sense that what she sees is she sees without great understanding yeah so you know what she sees you know how she feels about what she sees but the film also kind of makes you think that there's a larger picture that she's not seeing well yeah because the points where the voiceover her, you know, her voiceover is saying asking things like where where why, why am i here what am i doing where are the children why aren't the children here when are the children coming and you think well why why don't you ask why don't you ask? Um, but I, I guess the thing is, I, I, I was watching Tar yesterday, um, you know, the new film, and it's like, yeah, you know, the, the lead character of the film doesn't have to be sympathetic because this woman isn't, you know, she's not particularly sympathetic. I think that's... I thought I, I thought it was glorious to see her, like like with Kate Blanchett. But I quite, I quite like the protagonist uh, in Black Girl. You know, I thought, like, she was really beautiful, you know, um... And she clearly had aspirations, right? And aspirations that her situation kind of doesn't allow for. And again, I think this is how it's a metaphor, you know, for, for post-colonialism. Because I really think that you get, she doesn't, she's not, she's shown as being very beautiful, as, being, as wearing clothes very well, as being a good daughter, right? Uh, as being 
a, a kind of a virtuous girlfriend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, within a, a, a particular term, not too involved with the man, seemingly. Um, so, you know, but her desire to go to, to go to France seems to me to be a desire to experience something mythic, right? And then the reality kind of falls short. Because yeah. you're not, you don't get a sense that she's got any maternal instincts whatsoever, or that she's good with children. You know, and no. in fact, you know, kind of at the end, her interactions with the children is, I wouldn't let her with my children. <laughs> <Right? Yeah. laughs> so, I enjoyed watching the film. Uh, I understand kind of, you know, why people value it so and why it is kind of like a potent denunciation of post-colonialism. But I, I, I couldn't connect with the protagonist in kind of human terms. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is inter interesting that this is, as I say, as I said at the start, this is one of two African films on on that greatest on the hundred greatest films list the other one is tuki buki which i've not seen um you know it's interesting this film is there whereas i mean yeah we've talked about quite a lot of african cinema um i can see many other african films that also i don't i'm not saying this doesn't deserve a place on this list but there are many other films that that also do I think. yeah i mean you know i think i'm also getting the wrong impression because like you i enjoyed seeing it very much mm. uh i think it's really kind of you know interestingly made I think Sam Ben is a great director and he's definitely got, you know, a feel for the poetic in cinema. I'm, I'm very glad uh, I saw it and it has moments that I think are very beautiful. But, you know, I really don't think that it's one of the great works of cinematic art of the last century. And I think part of it is because of the way that the protagonist, I think, is underwritten and there's an opportunity there yeah to connect with women's experience of that situation yeah uh that the film doesn't uh, um engage with uh, uh, and to me it it feels as a lack of complexity right mm, yeah 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 i i th yeah i i think i agree and i, I think uh, yeah, of of his films that we've seen i i prefer mandabi so to this I. one um, I think it is, it, it is the better film, but I, I wonder, you know, because you you often you do wonder why why certain films have a critical consensus around them, and it may just be down to availability because this is on uh, this has been released on Blu-ray by the BFI over here and by Criterion. It was restored quite a few years ago, so it, it's Mandarby was restored more recently and released more recently. So it, and other films we've talked about haven't had any kind of physical release. So. I'm also quite happy to acknowledge, you know, uh, that an African person or somebody better versed with issues of post-colonialism might see more things in the film that will resonate to a greater extent than they have done with me. I acknowledge, you know, that this is a limitation in my part, that maybe I am not seeing kind of aspects of the richness that other people see in this film yeah yeah, um, yeah. so you know I, I nonetheless would highly recommend that people see it it's a really interesting watch oh de definitely very 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 well worth watching and, and yeah it's only an hour long so it won't take you long <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> all right uh yeah. thank you very much for listening uh i'm jose arroyo i'm richard lane and we're thinking a lot about film thank you very much. Bye -bye. Bye.